Welcome, I'm Naima Tenenbaum, and this is the Institution to Inspiration Education Show. We are going to hear from master educators, legendary principals, financial experts, successful school counselors, curriculum developers, and so much more. Consider this podcast your professional learning community. Welcome back. This week, I had an absolutely incredible discussion with Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. Rabbi Reichman is a world-renowned Torah scholar, popular speaker, and prolific author. His engaging style and deep understanding of the human experience have inspired countless people all around the world. In this episode, we're going to be delving into his background, his approach to creating a massive impact, and the lessons he's learned throughout his journey. So join us as we learn from one of the most dynamic and thought-provoking leaders of our time, Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. When I started teaching, I was very inspired by the mission, and it was it's teaching is one of the most incredible professions, but I saw certain things that, certain problems that just kept coming up again and again and again, and it seemed like I could think of some solutions or I did things differently, but I felt like there was some sort of big roadblock. And I do want to be able to inspire people in, and especially in the teaching profession, how to bring that back to teaching. You know, so many teachers are getting burned out. No, hundred percent. I mean, this is, this is such an important topic. And I think, as an individual, the first thing you want to do is you want to ask, what is the purpose of education? Like, what is the purpose within Limude Kodesh, within Limude Cholri? What's the purpose of education? What's the purpose of being an educator? What's the purpose of being a student? Mm -hmm. And when you start with the fundamentals and you say, like, if the purpose of life is to actualize your potential, to serve and devote your life to Akash Baruch Hashem, and to live the most incredible life of purpose and meaning and self-actualization and growth and to make an impact on the world, then education, the essence of education should be designed to help people do that, right? So, So it should be a place of curiosity and depth and wisdom and inspiration and people should love school, people should love education. Educators should be the most and this is one of the most fundamental problems, they should be the most respected and admired figures in our community. And that should come with the esoteric element of cover, but also should come with the compensation that comes with any you know, prestigious role in the world. And all of those things are somewhat lacking in the educational system. Now, if you want to create a revolution, if you want to impact, inspire, you're never going to do it by pointing fingers and saying, this is what's wrong. This is the mistake. You have to go back to the very root and you have to, as an individual, right? So you as an individual, everyone who wants to really make this type of impact as an individual wants to clarify the fundamentals of what they're trying to create. And then you want to inspire the vision. I point out the problems that will come when people say, so how are we going to do that? What about this? What about that? That's fine. Mm-hmm. But you want to say, what is the vision? So what would the ideal be? The ideal would be, 
understanding that every single person in the world is unique, but there are certain fundamentals of living great lives. So that means developing yourself spiritually, which means developing yourself awareness, understanding your unique talents and skills, who you are, why you are, how you think, how like you learn best by reading, by watching, by engaging with others, understanding that there's a personal element of education. And that's the then there's the intellectual so for you know different aspects there's there's mathematics and there's psychology there's gemara there's homish just you know really the the understanding how to break things down there's emotional well-being there's physical health there's building yourself in the world getting a career all these things are part of life now education should be designed to help people actualize their potential in the fullest way and live out their fullest purpose and educators should be passionate, driven, wise, inspired people who are inspiring the next generation to fall in love with learning, fall in love with Torah, fall in love with life, fall in love with all the values and ideals that life should be. And this is foreign. Like, that's not what school is, right? That's not what school has become. And it's really across the board. Like, I, I've been to a lot of different institutions. Like, I, I grew up in the I don't like these terms in these boxes, but like the non-orthodox world, so to speak. I went to Shiva Katana for elementary school. I went to DRS for high school. I went to Shalavim for a couple of years in Israel. Then I went to YU. I got my BA from YU. got Smicha from Yeshiva University's Reitz. I got a master in education, a master in Jewish thought. I went to Harvard, getting a PhD at University of Chicago. got certified as a coach. So I, I've been through a lot of different school systems. Yeah. The school system is just designed to teach you to become somewhat of a robotic thinker who just memorizes information, spits it back, does well on tests. You basically get categorized into how well you achieve on these mm -hmm. scores. That allows you to move to the next level, get a better job, go into the workforce. If you're more of an entrepreneurially minded person, you don't do well in the school system. You're more creative out of the box. You have energy, you don't sit well in class. You don't like just listening to like very, very you know, do this, do that. That's not the way your mind works. So you kind of don't do well in the school system. You're convinced you're a failure. If you are one of the few that escape with enough confidence to actually try to achieve something, you end up basically being the CEO and boss of the people who got A's and succeeded yeah. in the school system. Now that's in a nutshell, the school system. Now, the yeshiva system is a similar problem in that it kind of models the school system. It's designed to be very much critical thinking, swallowing up information, and following a certain rigid framework of digesting as opposed to self-awareness, creativity, commitment to a Masora, but really finding your chilek in Torah, falling in love with Torah, finding the aspects of Torah that really resonate with you. We live in a world where everyone has to choose their box in their camp. Like you're either like a brisker and you kind of do your chakiras in Gemara Be'in, which really means that you're like focusing on a very mathematical form of Gemara learning. Or if you're, let's say you love Chumash and Let's say if you're if you're a woman and you like Gemara, it's somewhat problematic in a lot of worlds. If you're a man and you like Musar or Chumash and you don't like Gemara, it's a big problem. If you're a Balmachshava, right, you like to think, you like ideas, that's not really considered Torah in some worlds. It's like, no, learn Gemara. Learn, and then there's the Bikiyas Ian. Should you just learn through all of Shash? Should you go in depth? Should you conceptualize? Should you just go through the motions? Is there something valuable that just literally reading the Gemara and not understanding it? And like, there is an idea that like just learning Torah, Lishma is powerful. What's the Torah? Shema? All these questions are important. But the real thing that you want to think about is all the people who go far in Torah, they love Torah. And the way you fall in love with Torah is you literally 
find the aspects of Torah that light you up. And you shouldn't choose one over the other. It's like, if you want to have a healthy diet, you don't just have protein. You don't just have carbs. You don't just have vegetables. You have like a healthy balance. So yes, you want to be doing halacha and gemara and machshava and musr. You want to be engaging in the full breadth and spectrum of Torah, but you can still have a chalik. You can still have an emphasis. And in certain worlds, if your emphasis is not black and white, the one that everyone else thinks is what it should be, you're not seen as, as valuable. So there are lots of educational problems in the system. These are somewhat fundamental, but the most fundamental problem is that most educational curriculums are mathematical, systematic, robotic, and designed to just push people through it, as opposed to it being where people fall in love with learning, fall in love with Torah, fall in love with wisdom, fall in love with Torah, Kaddish Baruch who created this incredible world. How do you fall in love with it? You engage, you question, you think, you experience, you're inspired. Now you have to have inspired educators, Rebbeim, Mechanchem, teachers, and you have to have the goal, which is to inspire. If you ask a lot of educators, they may have one time believed that, but they're, they're kind of tired and they're just you know trying to do what they've done for the past 20, 30 years, same curriculum, their curriculum hasn't changed, and they haven't changed. There are amazing educators, but not that many of them. Yeah. And the reason is because why would you want to be an educator nowadays? Like, think about it, right? Most educators want to become educators, at least when they're young, because they love learning they love teaching they they want to they they were inspired by their teacher they they love connecting with with either kids or or young talmidim or young you know teenagers or people in you know 18 and like it depends what type of educator you want to be yeah that's all you start now if you're brilliant and you're capable and you're intelligent and your head's on straight and you can make an impact why would you go into education? First of all, your parents are going to want, are not going to want you to go into education because there's going to be all these shidduch questions because how are you going to make a living? How are you going to support your family? And, and you can do anything. Why would you throw away your career? Why would you throw away your life and go into education? That's what, that's what I was I I was told too. It's like, you know, Baruch Hashem, I, I've, I've done very well, Baruch Hashem. But the... The trajectory of how I built this is basically I was pre-med. That's what, that's why I started. I was, I, I was also going to go into medicine, and right? then and I was like, like oh. the perfect Jewish career. You make yeah. your parents do that. And I was I was inspired. My story will go like very very short first. Like my life fell apart when I was in Shalavim. I was basically like losing consciousness, and I had my heart broken. And I lost the ability to speak, and like all these things. Oh my gosh. And like my whole life fell apart, and I was literally thinking I was going to die on a daily basis. And I started to basically ask real questions. Like I thought I was I basically one to just pass out. And then I thought it was a fluke accident. It happened the next week. It happened two months later. And it happened the week after that. And it was basically this, this constant thing. And I literally thought I was going to die. So I had a midlife crisis. Like I might not live that much longer. What am I doing with my life? Oh my goodness. Started- what was it? So something called vasovagal, which is not really dangerous in and of itself, but if you're standing up and you lose consciousness, you can have a real concussion, and that can be actually life-threatening. Let's say you're driving. Exactly. So you, there are actually triggers that come on. You know how to notice when it's coming on. You can also prevent it, like a lot of things. But mm-hmm. at the time, doctors didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was oh Every time it happened, I thought it wasn't going to wake up. So 
It's actually a funny story. The last time it happened, I was in, like at the end of the Shaladin, we all go to this giant chair bear, Fasher Weiss, who was uh, one of the Gedalia Ador, mm-hmm. and I passed out in the middle of that chair. And everyone thought I was dead. Oh, I have a recording. <laughs> I have an unrecording. Like, Shmuel's dead. I can't feel the pulse. <laughs> and the reason why I listened to the recording is because I wanted to listen to the rest of the year. It was a good year. Oh my it was, god, it was quite surreal. But actually, so my my safer, which part of Hashem became a best-selling safer in the journey to ultimate itself. Yeah, so it has it. a so it has a house coming from Vasher Weiss, and part of the story how I got the house is I sent him a letter saying like I don't know if you remember me, but I was the bacher. <laughs> I was the guy. And he definitely remembered on the recording. There's like that's all it took me away. Everyone didn't know if I was going to survive, and like, there's this booming voice, like with the Russian voice, reassuring everyone, like Shmuel Reichman is going to be okay. So, <laughs> wow. um, so um, but basically, when I was asking those questions, I started to really take life seriously, right? Because when you think you're going to die, you don't casually live life. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of every minute. So I started to think, I started to raise, I started to really build, and that started my passion and mission to delve into Torah Be'in, to tell them to life Be'in, to really become all that I can be, and then. I fell in love with it and life started to become real. And then I wanted to help other people do this. And that really is the passion behind everything that I do. All the shirm I give, the impact, the books, the articles, like everything is designed to help wake people up and live an inspired life. And that's why people are inspired to become educators. They're inspired by someone or something and they want to make an impact, make a difference. And then what happens? Their parents say, don't do it. Not only their parents, everyone. Everyone. Wake up. It's the rational, practical voice. Because number one, you're not going to make a, a good living. No one respects you. You don't get, you, you're not going to respect yourself. You're going to get burnt out. You, no, the kids are not going to, like, in a beautiful world, you'll share all the wisdom you have. Kids don't care, right? They, they, they're not inspired yet. You have to inspire them to actually care about what you have to say. So it's like in the dream world, it sounds like the best career possible to do what you love all day, never work a day in your life, teach Torah, teach whatever whatever subject brings you to life. But it, it's not, it's not that simple. Uh, yeah. So let's say I hear from, especially when I speak to principals, definitely when I speak to teachers, but I like to focus on, on principals more. I feel like there's this yish. They just want to give up. And the reason why I like to focus on principles more is because I feel like if there's anyone who could do something about it, it's the principles. Mm -hmm. And I I have different thoughts of things that they could do. But what do you think are the keys to get these principles who are so stuck in the same exact, that they're having the same exact feelings as these teachers? Oh, it's so, just this is the way it is. Yeah, it's very hard to change people's minds. It's also very hard to change leaders' minds because leaders are very scared of failing because if they do something new, they're they're accountable. So they basically, leaders essentially usually play things safe. And the reason they play things safe is because they want to seem like they're successful. And if they try something new and it doesn't work out, they get basically blamed for it and it makes them look really bad. The, the real key, if, you're, if you want to do this well, it starts out by really like the way you create a real revolution is you start with individuals and individuals like there's no such thing as an institution. An institution is essentially just a bunch of individuals. And the way that you do that is you work from the ground up. You're not going to easily change people's minds who have already a fixed mindset. 
right? They, they see the world a certain way. This is just how they've been paying the bills for 20 years. This is how things are done. Don't mess things up. Don't shake things up. Stay. Mm-hmm. And they're idealists, creative minds, people who will want to make a change, make a difference. They understand how to think, how to reevaluate, how to reassess. So that's the type of person you want. And you want one school, the principal, who actually has that type of mindset. And you want basically to show everyone this is what happens when you do it right. Now, how would you do it right? What would be an ideal system or an ideal world? Well, first of all, it's much more than just the school itself. It's societal because you want to have parents raising their students. Essentially, that's what it means to be a parent is to be a teacher. You want parents to raise their children to love learning, to love growth. You want educators to not teach the subject, but teach the student, and not just to teach the student, but to fall in love with helping students grow. That's what a teacher's motto should be, is that I love helping people actualize their potential. Mm -hmm. Societally, it's it's hard, because the real answer would be start giving respect to teachers. But what's respect? Respect, Like, Kava, the idea of respect is essentially saying, I see this as valuable. I see this as true. You give covered to that which you associate with truth. So the ultimate cover, like Kol Barel Chavodu, everything in this world was created for Hashem's cover. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. The whole world is a revelation of Hashem, which means that when you sit, when you delve into the depth of Torah and life, you say, wow, like this is incredible. And what you're doing is you're saying, wow, Hashem's incredible. You're saying, wow, I am experiencing the revelation of Hashem. I'm connecting it back to the ultimate source of everything. And I'm inspired and in awe and admiration and love and fear. And just in every, like all these incredible existential feelings that I associate with truth and with reality and with the ultimate source of existence. Now, what's the cover to give to Tam Chacham? It's very related to the cover to give Tashem and the Torah. It's that a Tam Chacham, someone who's connected because they've devoted their life to Hashem and to truth. So they're an embodiment of truth. And I, I, I recognize truth when I see them, which is why it's important for not just to be a walking safe Torah, but also in terms of Midos, in terms of all the other elements of living a life of truth. But these things are not explained, but subconsciously we just are in awe when we come in contact with something great, with something true, something real, which is the same corrupted but still hasn't a kernel of truth why people are obsessed with pop stars and hollywood stars and sports players because they're great they did something great they did something great they're famous i mean except for the people who are famous because they're famous we don't have to mention names but that's the Mm -hmm. weird world we live in Mm -hmm. but most people are famous because they've done something great and there's something about their greatness that just makes us love them we don't know them Right. And yes, like in the Jewish world, it's kind of like music stars, inspirational speakers. And then if you're in the right mindset, like your Shulrav or your Rabbi or your Yeshiva Rabbi is someone who really had an impact on you. Now, Mm -hmm. it should be flipped, but it should be the the opposite order. (laughs) But the, the point is that there's something powerful about we recognize something that's of substance, that's something that's real, something that's valuable, something that's true. That's why also Kavod is the same source as Kavod, heavy something like concrete and real. And kal, which is the opposite of kavod, is something that's light. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like if you think something's important, something's real, you acknowledge it. Now, there's nothing more important in life than learning, growing, and actualizing your potential, which means there's nothing more important in life than education. And there's nothing more important in life than educators. Mm-hmm. So in terms of compensation, it's very strange. Like why is it 
that for physical health will compensate you 250k a year, but for existential and spiritual health will compensate you 50k, 60k, maybe 70k. Maybe <laughs> you're lucky. I haven't yeah, seen that high. But what's the rationale? The rationale is first of all societally, like what people value. What economically we're also. It's just like there's so many tiers and levels. And by the way, like there is the whole the whole problem of the fact that like taxes don't pay for our education. So there's the whole private tuition element, which is a whole different thing. But it's it's much more than that. It's it's much more than that. It's it's the fact that we really don't value education or educators. And part of the reason we don't value educators is because there's not that much of a reason to value them. Because it's not like everything is perfect and they're not being compensated. The educational system at best is okay. Right? There's nothing really inspiring about it. And we're being we're overgeneralizing like crazy because there are exceptions. Yeah, there are exceptions. There are exceptional educators yeah. in bad systems. There are some systems that are really trying. But and there are some systems that are really good, few and far between, but I have yeah, seen. 100%. 100%. That's why these conversations only work in a general sense because by case study by case study, you can kind of see what's working in this one, what's not working mm-hmm. in that one. Yeah. And taking the best of everything, Eliza, that's what you want to start with not pointing out what's wrong with all the programs and all the systems, but pointing out what's right within each of them and then trying to create a hybrid that takes the best of everything. But it starts with really building a value system of education. If, if people, let's say if a community that values and loves wisdom, loves Torah, loves education, loves purpose, loves meaning, all those things, it's at the forefront of everyone's mind. That's all they want. Like all of the other things are tough, they're kind of secondary. Like it's not to say that they're not important, but they're not as important. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, you can have a real conversation about how to create the ultimate school because that's what we all want. But most people, they don't have the bandwidth to really take this on because they're just trying to survive or they're just trying to get by or they kind of have accepted the system as it is or they're not creative. They don't think that anyone can actually make a difference and change the way like it's never been different so why will it be different so those types of people this is really a non-starter which is why like if you want to think about like the educational experience someone goes through which is why at like the 18 to 25 stage people are very easily brainwashed into an ideology because that's a time where they really want to get behind something and it's like you want to understand the power and the positive of that, which is that if someone's inspired to the right ideas at that stage in their life, it changes everything. If someone's exposed to the wrong ideas at that stage in their life, they kind of you know, become very dangerous to themselves in terms of how to live an extraordinary life. If you're convinced at, let's say, 18, that the only, only important thing in life is X, Y, and Z, it's going to be very hard to undo that. Right, so you want to kind of understand the power of someone who's passionate and driven about something. Then what usually happens is that eighteen to twenty-five, you're passionate, trying to figure out who you are, what your life's going to be about, trying to you know get behind a cause or a vision or idea or some you know speaker and thinker and educator, and and then you kind of have to get a job, and slowly your passion and excitement kind of wanes and withers, and you kind of like end up kind of like 
inspired by how inspired you were when you get inspired yes, Ellie, like perfectly. go to a great cheer a great seminar a great event a dinner and be like oh yeah like i remember back when i was going to change the world and do all these things. <laughs> and then you have kids and then you're paying bills and you're changing diapers and you have no time to think about all the amazing things you want to do but you're like yes. really still at least behind the people who are trying to do that, not understanding how and why they're still able to do that, especially if they're married and have kids yeah. and pay bills. Um, maybe they come for money. Maybe they're just a superhuman. I don't know, but I can't do that anymore. And yes. then you kind of just lose it. You lose the inspiration. You're just practical. You're almost against the inspired ideology and mindset because it reminds you about your own failures and how you didn't do all the things you want to do. And mm -hmm. then you end up living a life of just like essentially regret, avoiding experiences that remind you of your idealism, of the things yeah. you actually believed in. And cynicism is really just a defense mechanism against your actual self. And you're not really cynical about what they're saying. You're really just kind of like you hate how they make you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the the few people who escape it and reignite the passion of flame. And maybe you're wealthy and you support a cause. You can't do it yourself anymore because you don't believe that you're capable of doing anything yourself, but you'll help others do it. And that's like the classic trajectory. The goal basically is to understand that pivotal stage of 18 to 25 and to allow it to take its full trajectory, to never stop, to keep going uphill slowly and steady but never giving up on your ability as an individual to live an extraordinary life and make an impact and it's like a candle like if you're doing that you're going to inspire the person next to you and it's like the great thing about a candle is it can share its flame and doesn't lose anything you just inspiration is amazing but mm -hmm. great inspiration not inspiration where you just get up and say rah 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 you can do anything but you're actually doing it like the inspired life is a life of 1% talking about it and 99% doing it, right? right. It's like you need the talking at the beginning to frame it, to build the mindset, to understand what you're trying to create, what you're trying to do. But then you need to fully commit to doing it even when you don't think it's working, even when you think it's just, a, you know, why am I even doing this? Is it, has anything I've done so far actually panned out? Has anything worked out? Is the world just clapping and saying, wow, you're amazing. Congratulations for trying to accomplish your dreams. <laughs> actually, no, no one right. cares. No one cares until you've done it. And right. even when you've done it, like, it's very hard to quantify when you're making progress. So you have to believe in this so much that you can't imagine doing anything else. And you'll start to draw the right people into your life. The people who they're, they've been waiting their whole life for someone like you. They've been waiting their whole life for someone who actually wants to solve the problem that they didn't give themselves permission to solve, but now they're ready to help. Could be financially, could be emotionally, could be connecting you with someone. Could be, and then you'll find that one educator who's you know actually on the ground going to start implementing what you're doing. And you're going to find that one principal who's kind of been hiding what they really feel from the board yeah, and from yeah. everyone else. Like they, they don't, mm -hmm. don't want to actually say what they think because they're afraid of getting fired. But once there's enough momentum. Yeah. There can be something, and by the way, that's the biggest thing. I hear all this behind closed doors. They're like, don't yeah. quote me on this, but <laughs> I'm like, do you know how many times I've heard that? A lot. Yeah, it's because 
to put your name on something that's not established, you lose your own credibility, you destroy your own career, you there's so much to risk. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. you don't have anything to risk, you can go all in. When you have a lot to risk, you can only go all in if you fully believe in it. Yes. And most people, they kind of believe in it. So they're, they're willing to help you, but they can't be the ones who helped you. Right. They can kind of like dabble and kind of like kind of connect you to this person and kind of point you in the right direction, but they're not willing to put their name on it. But yeah. once you, and this is like the most important thing, we like to kind of talk about like institutions and, and like, like those most institutions are just a bunch of people, but a mission is the concept of an ideal institution as an, a mission is something bigger than the individuals. So what ends up happening is that any person who starts something big, like it just started out with one person doing something big, but once there's momentum, the idea is bigger than any individual and people can rally around the idea. So no one will rally around you because no one, sure. no one cares about anyone else's individual mission. They care about the truth. They care right, about it's not about me. Good. So right. once people can kind of connect to an idea and you can be, so to speak, the intermediary that connects them to that idea, that is something that people can rally behind. So if you look, we're not like, I never name names, but if we look in the Jewish world and what has worked over the years mm-hmm. and things that have started to really pick up momentum and really make an impact, mm-hmm. it's just something that people can really rally behind and there's no face. There's like the idea, there's Hashem, the idea and all the people who are doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. Like essentially that's Torah. Like Torah is, you know, the intermediary between Hashem and us. It's how we tap into Hashem's wills, how we tap into Hashem's Chachma. And no one's serving the Torah. We're serving Hashem. Right. We connect to Hashem through the Torah. And, you know, throughout Jewish history, there has been a lot of clashing in terms of like, no, you are serving the Torah. You have to serve Hashem. And that's, you know, a different, mm-hmm. that was, you know, part of the, the Hasidic revolution was helping people tap back into not serving Shulchan Aruch, serving Hashem, but that's a whole different story. But the, the idea here is that you want the focus of the, the entire brand, the message, to remind people of what they already believe in. It doesn't take a lot to remind people that learning is important, that actualizing your potential is important. But most people, they're kind of like jaded Mm-hmm. they've kind of lost touch so when they hear that they're like oh you're one of those like inspirational folks. yeah exactly exactly yeah it's just seeing you know, someone they're like you know it's all great what you're doing but like <laughs> spins on this way whatever and i'm like super cool like you're more than welcome to live in that space but that's not the way it has to be this is not our the jewish community didn't look like this 25 years ago for good I'm, I'm thinking for good for bad but i'm specifically thinking of for good didn't look like this wasn't this vibrant this big 50 years ago not at all and in 25 years you think it's going to be the same 50 years no way 100 100 i mean that's also why credentials are important in this type of field like for me if you would actually look at what i'm doing now so, you know, the keynote, speaking in shuls, calling residences, building up the business. I have my self-mastery course, best-selling mm-hmm. book. Like, it looks really nice that the, 
the, the ideas, the Torah, the mission, like I coach CEOs, not entrepreneurs and achievers. I'm doing all these things. Like it, it looks really nice that, oh, like he's a rabbi who went to Harvard and is getting a PhD from University of Chicago, one of the most elite universities in the world. He got a coaching certification, he got a master's education, master's thought. Like I would be doing the same exact things with any degrees. I was a really young, I was 19, 20 years old doing really what I'm doing now. But yeah. everyone's like, who do you think you are? Yeah. And my vision was so big that I literally said, I'm going to do whatever it takes so that no one will be able to say, you don't have this. So I'm not going to listen to your share. You haven't done this. So you're not good enough for me. I was going to play the shallow game in order to basically share the vision and message that I wanted to share on my terms. So mm -hmm. It, it's a very powerful, because there are people who reject, and by the way, like you can look at people who, they're college dropouts, and it's the proudest moment of their life. You look at, you know, the Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerbergs, the people who have, so to speak, made it without the system. That's because college is not designed to help you become an entrepreneur. But th there is value to the systems in place. Definitely. But the real value is education. By the way, nowadays you can self-educate. All like literally everything, all information is accessible. That's the true. Question is how driven are you? How passionate are you? Are you getting quality ideas, a real systematic understanding of the information? Or you just you know how to find it. You have a cluttered mind where you just like overdrive. Mm -hmm. The same thing for all aspects of learning. Most people, they don't have a real organized mind. It's like when you eat, you go to the bathroom to filter out the bath. When people taking information, they just absorb it and repeat it. So their, their knowledge is really opinion-based because if they heard someone say something, it now becomes their truth as opposed to breaking it down, digesting and thinking it through, comparing it. It's like when you learn Gemara, you learn the Rambam, the Ramban, Tosos, the Rashba, and Ritva. It's like, how am I supposed to do it? Like, what am I doing with all this information? Right. Well, you think about ideas and questions, and then you start to organize and, and understand how things work. The same thing with every aspect of wisdom. You start mm -hmm. to really become a thinker. So that's like a whole, whole different discussion. People, people don't like negativity, even though it's easy to rally behind. Mm -hmm. Negativity doesn't build anything. It tears things down. That's right. We don't want to tear down the education system. We want to build it up into what it could be. And sometimes you need to read the literature. Sometimes you need to break something down in order to build it, but you're never supposed to break it until everyone knows what we're actually trying to build. And that's like a powerful thing because you, you have, if you study history, there are people who tried to make real change by attacking what they didn't like. Right. And it didn't last. It was effective short term because everyone's like, yeah, this is horrible. It's horrible. But it just ends up being a destructive state. There's a vacuum. Exactly. Like with, with yeah. all these revolutions and things, you see that so clearly. Yeah. It's just like, okay, we got rid of the bad. Now who's going to be in charge? There are some really deep Jewish thinkers that say you should never tear away someone's lower level understanding of life in Hashem and Amuna until you've replaced it with something higher. Because if you tear down what they already have, but you don't have something immediately to give them, you end up getting them into the worst imaginable place possible. Right, because they have nothing. Yes, you, you, you destroyed something that wasn't total truth, but now they went from partial truth to nothing. Mm -hmm. And nothing 
that are lost. So it's the same thing for any system. Like there's so much good already there. And that's the most important thing. The amount of Torah that's being learned nowadays, the amount, the, the, the democratization of knowledge, of ideas, of education, of resources, of wealth, everyone is wealthier than they were 500 years ago, 100 yeah. years ago, 50 years ago. Everyone is more knowledgeable. Everyone's more educated. Now it's a question of quality, of saying, where can we go? And there's a lot of sub-stories here. Like part of it is that after the Holocaust, the real goal for Klai's role was essentially survival and numbers. So it was quantity. It was have as many children, get them educated, just push them through. We're going to rebuild Israel. Essentially, we're still doing that, right? There's a lot in terms of like surface level quantity. Reaction. We're not striving for the highest quality for ourselves, not trying to build the most extraordinary family imaginable, not trying to build the most extraordinary school imaginable. We're just trying to have systems in place that work. Mm-hmm. And it takes, I mean, listen, like what you're trying to do, think of it from a school's perspective. It's really hard to take a chance and maybe fail. Mm-hmm. Right? Like why would they take a chance on revamping the system, figuring out how to solve all the problems, doing something revolutionary when they could be what everyone looks at and says, ha, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. Like, who's going to make that decision? That's Is the principal going to make that decision? Is the board going to sign off on that? Are the educators going to want to be part of such a trial? Like, yes, it's exciting, but I want to pay my bills. I want a career. I want to take care. So put one change in place and it's a quiet change. And when I say quiet change, I mean like a really quiet change. Um, just like a, a formula for when a student is sent to the office, exactly what's done in a way that we can know what happened, what was the trigger, how did the student react? You know, what was the consequence of that? Okay, and then the student has to say what they're going to do differently. But there's like a certain formula, a way to do it. It's the same thing with any other profession. You have formulas. You have ways that you do things. With sales, there are ways to talk to people. There are ways to, there are ways in every single, so it's the same thing. And if we just use these systems and don't quantify it as in like, oh, this is my ex you know, a $20,000 job, this is my $50,000 job, but you think of it as amazing as it is, which is every single kid is a universe and a future, then it's very different. 100%, 100%. And like, it reminds me, like my journey, like when I, like I didn't take high school seriously. I, I wasn't learning in high school. I wasn't developing myself in high school. When I finished high school, I went to Shalavim and that's when my life fell apart. That's when I started building and I couldn't believe that the high school system was the way it was. I couldn't believe that we weren't learning how to become self-aware, actualize right. our talents, figure out who we are, try to build ourselves, try to fall in love with learning, try to become the best. Like why uh, literally, the, like it's almost like they waited until we finished high school, dropped us off and said like, you take care of them, like inspire them, help them fall in love with their gem, help them learn Torah. And couldn't believe it. I started to talk to high school, Rebeam, Manalan, principals, Rebeam in the you know in the Israeli yeshiva system, and they said like yeah like that's literally fundamentally like proactively like their mindset survive Western culture like just make sure they're like keeping Shabbos you know doing you know basic Shemar Torah mitzvahs like if you're a flip out and you're learning a little Gemara after school like that's amazing and if you kind of like Hashem that's wonderful it's a bonus. <laughs> 
And then, like, after high school, you'll kind of, like, then fall in love with Tori. And I was like, that makes no sense. That That's the lowest standards I could possibly imagine. And, yeah, like, that's more like the modern orthodox system. I don't like these boxes, but, like, that's what you call it. Right. And I was like, we need to change this entire system. High school needs to be where you start life, not pause life, until you get to where you're, like, 17, 18. This system makes no sense. And everyone said you're crazy like you can't change it mm-hmm. and the realization is that you're not going to change it until you change like here's the thing let's say you create the ideal school they're still going back to their homes and if their parents are not creating a type of home which is completely devoted to hashem and growth and torah mitzvahs and life and wisdom and inspiration like the school's not going to be effective and if the family is amazing and the school's working against them it's not going to be effective you need to have everyone working together which means that the real way to make change is you start with the individuals you get everyone who's actually a person in the world to care about this you build homes where people care about this then you build communities where you're saying to a school where the community cares about it so obviously the school which is a reflection of the community is going to care about it and then you build a school that's designed to reflect the values and ideals that as individuals we have and we're sending our kids to these schools and the teachers are part of the community we all share these values of trying to actualize our individual potential and devoting it towards the larger Zippur and Kikula and trying to literally actualize our collective and individual purpose as clients around this world then of course the school is going to reflect these values and be a place of warmth and love and wisdom and passion and purpose and and really you know critical thinking and intellectual thinking creative thinking and it's going to be incredible but you're not going to start by changing the system. You're not going to start by changing the community. You literally need to inspire one person at a time. Like, that's why I wrote my Safer. I wrote my Safer to give the whole world access to the depth and wisdom of what Torah could be, a, a gateway into life, into wisdom, into purpose, into literally becoming everything that you could become. When you come in contact with a deep idea, like the moment you hear this idea that like my favorite Gemara, Gemara needed the Thaman of Beis that says, when we were in the womb, we learned called Torah Kula, and we learned basically the whole purpose of the world and everything. And then right before we were born, the Malach, this angel that taught us, it hit us in the mouth and we forget it. So the Vilna and everyone else asks, well, what's the purpose? Like, why teach in the first place? And why make you forget what's going on? Right. He says, you weren't just being taught Torah, you're being taught the purpose of the world. You weren't just being taught the purpose of the world, you were being taught your unique purpose. Mm-hmm. And you didn't lose it, you lost access to it. And you're brought into this world to become you, to recreate everything you were shown in the womb, to literally actualize your potential. And if someone hears that for the first time, they're like, I'm in this world to not become great, but become me and to actualize my unique potential, to figure out who I am, to go on this journey of self-awareness and growth and meaning and purpose. Like if you've never heard that before and you hear that for the first time, it changes your life. And if people think that that's not pop psychology, but that's Torah, that Torah is literally Hashem's guideline to living a life of truth, meaning, purpose, passion, like it's literally everything. It is. Yeah. It changes. So what happens when one person changes their life? Well, first of all, they start sharing with their friends. They start sharing these ideas at the Shabbos table. Mm-hmm. They start sharing the community. And then if an educator learns these ideas, starts sharing it with their students, and then the students learn the ideas, they talk about each other. And that's how you create a ripple effect. And like that's what's been happening with the Safer. So working from the inside and not trying to change everything at once, but recognizing the ripple effect of every meaningful conversation 
And it's like really hard right. to like, it sounds so nice and it's so inspiring. It's so fluffy when you're like, okay, I, I really, I'm getting tired. Like I've been doing this for three years. Where's the change? But you, when you look back and you say, where did things change? There's no clear threshold where like that was where things changed. There's like a buildup where you don't see the impact for years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. most people quit not because they haven't made the impact, but because number one, they don't believe they've made the impact and they're not good enough in recognizing it. If you remind yourself why you started, and you remind yourself why you gave up everything you gave up, and you remind yeah. yourself how much you care about this, and it's true for what you're trying to do is true for what I'm trying to do is true for every single person. They have these these goals, the things they really want to do with their life. And maybe like they don't share with anybody or maybe they do and people laugh at them. And it's one of my, one of my favorite phrases is that don't be surprised when people don't understand your dreams. Like Hashem right. gave them to you. Not, not them. them. I, right. The reason they're laughing at you usually is because they're crying inside saying like, I didn't follow my dreams, but like, you know, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to just stay like very simple nine to five, pay the bills, sleep, eat and die. Like that's, exactly. that's basically like one model of living. The other model yeah. is to see what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's literally the only way to actually be alive. Like happiness is not something you achieve. Happiness is a state of being while you are actualizing your potential, while you are, while you are becoming the person you're supposed to become. Now, that's a lifelong journey. And most people, they're sleeping through life because they haven't given themselves permission to go on that journey. Like that's why yeah. I, I call the name of the safer is the journey to ultimate self. The name of my, of my masterclass is self-mastery. It's like when you go on this journey of really seeing what you're capable of and not individually selfishly, but for the sake of something bigger than yourself, seeing how you can contribute to the community, to clients, to the world, mm-hmm. you start to live life. You start to literally just wake up to what life, and it's a hundred out of a hundred, You'll always wish you would have started sooner. You'll okay. always wish you would have started sooner. Yeah. So start now, right? Like anyone who's listening to this is like, oh my gosh, this is my story. Start now. Yes. Like, now is the best time. Like I'll start tomorrow. It's never tomorrow. It's always today. You're like, I'll start when I'll start when when the kids move out of the house. When this happens. When I'm healthier. When I start exercising. There's always going to be a great. I'll start then. Like you have to choose. Like you'll never have the perfect opportunity. You have to choose to make this the right time. That's really the only way that you look back in a month, in a year, in 10 years and say like, I made the right decision. There's a beautiful, beautiful way of framing. There's different ways of framing the concept of passion and purpose. Mm-hmm. One is something you love and you're good at and you just you just get this flow state where you lose track of space and time. You're just like when I taught myself to play guitar and piano, I, I wanted to be a musician. Like I have had, like there were like I want to be. There were stages where I wanted to be a doctor, stages where I wanted to be a musician, stages where I wanted to be a speaker, a writer, mm-hmm. like all these different things. But music is like you get into a state where nothing else exists. It's the same thing where you're really delving into mm-hmm. total depth. Like nothing else exists. Yeah. There's another way of framing the passion and purpose model, which is that something that really it just it, it drives you crazy. You're so upset about a problem and you just want to fix it, you just can't believe this problem exists, it's a very good sign. That's the reason why you're so upset about that. And no one else is. (laughs) Like, no one else seems to care. It's maybe because Hashem really wants you to take care of that. It's true. And I I have, like, a certain, whatever. I went through 
a lot of trash in the education system. And I can't imagine that I went through all that mishigas for no reason. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a similar model of like your challenges build you, they don't break you, that the worst things ever happen to you, usually the best things ever happen to you. But it's not always the personal tragedy, personal struggle that, you know, something destroyed your life. Like for me, the fact that my life fell apart, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. It woke me up in a way that nothing ever has. And, you know, I don't want any more of those horrible experiences, but like, I hope nothing ever will. I hope I don't have, I hope I'm, you know, as it's like Hashem sends you a challenge when you're not fulfilling your potential to help you fulfill your potential. Yeah, that's so for sure. One model is the, places where you broke or or so you can build something better. Mm -hmm. Another model is that it's not only the internal problems that Hashem, so to speak, helped manifest so you can take advantage of it. The Ramban says every challenge there is not for Hashem to see if you can overcome the struggle, but for Hashem to show you what you're capable of, for you to see how how much you can accomplish. But a lot of it also is that like, things connect with you in your Like, why do you like a certain song and someone else doesn't like that song? Why do you like a certain food? Like your unique entity and the world and Torah and ideas and life, it interacts with you in a way that doesn't interact with other people. And when something lights you up or something really gets on your nerves on a fundamental sense, like you can't believe that there's a system that's not doing this or that is doing this, that's usually a good sign like maybe that's part of your purpose maybe that's something you should devote your life to doing as opposed to living your whole life having the same conversations of i can't believe this. <laughs> exactly for sure yeah and there, there was this a part of me um for a while a really long while that was so depressed that i was so good at teaching and i'm like this is the dumbest thing to be good at like i can't make money from this i can't whatever but seeing how i could really turn it into something that is inspirational and sustainable is humongous. 100%. And like just for business advice, because this is a big part of the conversation. Yeah. I started out with that an entrepreneurial bone in my body. And all I wanted to do was write 100,000 svarim, give a million shirim. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually want to write. All I wanted to do was speak. Then I realized there are a lot of people who don't listen or watch shirim. They'll only read. So then I had to become a writer. Nice. But I didn't have an entrepreneur in my body. My parents are incredible. They're not entrepreneurs. They're professionals. Like I don't have the, like any guidance for how to build a business, how to become a solo entrepreneur and self-fund my mission. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally didn't know how to do this. There is a way to figure out the monetary element, and this will help educators. If educators can basically find a way of mastering the financial game, which is becoming so valuable that you can build something on the side, monetize Mm -hmm. your wisdom, your advice, your ideas, whether it's another career path that you do on the side. If you understand how to have multiple revenue streams, have passive income, if you understand how to build a life where you're doing what you love with that passion and purpose, but not being drained by it because you're not making any money. So you can't pay the bills. So you're stressing about every simcha, about every bar mitzvah, every wedding. But if you can, if we can solve the financial element of the educational problem, we'll solve a lot because first of all, a lot more people will go into education who would be the best educators, but yes. going because they can't make a living. And it really comes with a mindset that making money, first of all, is not bad, right? There, there's that whole question that- Right, it's not bad, it's not money, wrong. If you, the goal of your life is money, it's 100% bad because money is nothing, mm-hmm. it's just potential. But if the whole purpose of like, by the way, like let's say you could 
make an impact and change the world, but you can't because you have to be an educator and pay the bills. Like, isn't education just the same way of focusing on money instead of the truth? It's like in tears, like you have to understand that. You have to understand like how to frame the problem. The problem is that you get paid for the value you give the world. Mm-hmm. So if you're now, if people don't value education, so you're not being paid a lot for educating, you have to find ways of providing value so that you can get paid so that you can do what you want to do. Now, some ways of doing that are tutoring on the side, of building something like on the side, but there are ways of really understanding how to develop, like the, the simple formula for life is if you actualize your potential and become the greatest you can be, you will have so much value to offer people. And the goal of that value is not for money. The goal of that value is to help people, help people connect to Hashem, help people fulfill their purpose. But you will also need to find a way to monetize your abilities, your skill sets, your passions, your hobbies, because that's how you will sustain whatever mission and passion you have. A lot of people, they go completely on the passion route. So they'll go into education, they'll go into music, they'll go into mm-hmm. art, they'll do, they'll do the beautiful aspect of life, and they'll make no money. And then you have people who basically say, I don't want to make money. So I'll go into business. I'll do, uh, you know, I'll go into Wall Street. I'll do accounting. I'll do financing. I'll do real estate. I'll do, and they'll basically convince themselves, I'll learn Dafyomi. I'll learn on the side. I'll give Shirim. And then, like, the ones who do that are the all stars. Because mm-hmm. most people will basically just fall into the, 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 the quicksand. You know, Yavan yes. actually means quicksand. And the good Vav and Nun Sophie, we just came from Hanukkah, is like the quicksand where you get the drawn Interesting. In. So most people get drawn into the monetary finances, like that, that, that world. Yes. And they won't have the mind for thinking and meaning and purpose and Torah and life and wisdom. And the, the greatest skill set in life is building that harmony where the whole ikra, the primary, the focus is the Torah, is the growth, is the family, is learning, is ideas, is purpose, and all those things. And the financial element is just supporting it, enabling it. Most people will choose one. They'll only learn, they'll only teach, they'll only, or they'll only do business. Mm-hmm. Then you have the very rare people who can blend the two. And when you can blend the two, first of all, it's so inspiring. It's hard. It's ideal. It's crazy. It's like, it's really hard. Like, Business finance is very practical. It's very detail-oriented. It's very gritty. It's very just like, did I succeed? Learning is the Shema. You learn. You just, there's no, like, I'm learning. So that it's like, no, I'm, I'm learning because it's the truth. And that it's like a very different mindset. It's a different type of ambition. It's a different, right. like, ambitious learners, but the ambition is to learn. Not like, you know, you can turn Torah into a business and say, I just want to finish Shas. And that's not really the quality. It's just kind of like. Right, just kind of going like, But. When you can blend the two together and find a way to support your purpose. And, you know, when you get married, you do it as a couple, you do it as, as a team, you find out like how you're going to share the responsibilities, how you're going to, you know, it's like, it, it's kind of funny. It's like when I go out and give a keynote and I come back and I change diapers, it's like, yeah, like, you know, I'm right. and you have to understand, like, a lot of it is like, I'm a Talmud Chacham, so I can't go and make money. It's below me. It's beneath me. Right. That's going to destroy your Menuchas Nefesh, your ability to focus on the actual Shaklavitari, the question, the Sugya, the Shir. You can't think because you're thinking, how am I going to pay for dinner? How am I going to pay for the Bar Mitzvah? Huh? Sure. Either, it's like, it's a waste of time. It's Bittal Torah to make money. But then I spend 100 hours a week trying to figure out how I'm going to fund this and fund yes. this. It's yes. like, where's the logic? The logic is that I'm escape. working... 
within like the next 10 years of my life, which is a Bithel Torah, for the next 60 years of my life, I'm going to be doing all the Bithel Torah because I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. So sure. it's not thinking about how to build a life. It's thinking about like very short vision. Right. So these are, these are big. And we're overgeneralizing because these are not positive things. These are very, very hard things to really concretely solve and, and talk about in depth. And there are lots of people who really should be learning all day, every day, and shouldn't touch the, the financial element of life ever. Mm-hmm. But for someone who's really trying to navigate this, learning how to recognize that the most important formula for success in all aspects of life, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, physically, relationships, financially, leadership, impact, teaching, is if you become the very best version of yourself and fully commit your life to self-actualizing, to learning and growing and taking life seriously in the most enjoyable way, but seriously and really maximizing your time and devoting your life to growth and devoting your life to seeing, answering the simple question of what am I capable of? The answer is no one knows. Hashem knows, no one knows. No one knows. But that's the question you should ask yourself every single day. And not to be overwhelmed and daunted by it, but to be inspired by it and say, I don't know, but let's find out. Yeah. It's like the, the Ramban quotes the Midrash, like the Russia and the Tzaddik, they both see the endless sea of Torah. And the Russia says, I can't, it's like a mountain. The Russia says, I can't climb, it's endless. And Tzaddik says, like, oh my gosh, like, I'm just going to, uh, where's the next step? Like, how do I just, you know, take the next step? If Hashem is infinite, and Hashem is infinitely away, so to speak, I'll never reach, the truth is infinite, I'll never reach the end of the truth. So the Russia says, why even try? And the Tzadik says, like, I'm going to enjoy the journey. The goal is not to get to the end. It's to journey towards it. And if you embrace that, then it's the most extraordinary life. So I would say, like, for you, for me, for everyone who's tapping into the specific and the general question of how to really commit your life to doing something amazing, it's really just a simple formula. If you become the, if you devote your life to becoming the best you can become, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. absolutely. Definitely filled up my, filled up my bucket. And I'm sure (laughs) you're going to fill up anyone who listens to this. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to Institution to Inspiration. 